You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the Zabecast, Alex Smith is a certified badass. The E60 on his harrowing leg injury and the long road back was one of the best things I've ever seen. U.S. women's soccer gets slide tackled in court. My man Charge joins me and he's got a special match game feature I've got no idea on. All that plus he's alive. Your daily Kickstarter of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, May 4, 2020, May the 4th, be with you. Aha, yes indeed, Star Wars. The great John Williams composing and directing. Remind me today when you bring on charge to really set him up for the Lukuku Kukukuku to see if he can hit it this time. I won't ambush him with it. I'll see if he can hit it. All right, I forgot the big announcement on Friday for you subscribers that I had promised, and I apologize for that, so I'm sure you're here now. And for all of you freeloaders, I mean, not yet subscribers, ha-ha, ding, 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 I'll give you the announcement now. It's not that big of an announcement, but I think you're going to like it. And that is basically we are switching providers for this podcast to a company called Red Circle, and they currently host Tony Bruno's podcast, and they host um, Jerry Callahan's podcast from Boston. We're hoping to get him on and get some sort of cross-synergy going, but basically what Red Circle does, which Libsyn, our current syndicator, does not offer, is that they offer you the ability to pay for a whole year at once, So you don't just keep getting ding, 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 ding. I don't know what it is. People have been asking, like, ah, you know, this thing keeps showing up and my wife keeps saying, why are we paying five bucks a month for this? So if you get it once, boom, it's done. It's out of the way. Washes down the river. I said, okay, fine. We'll provide that option. And we're going to give you 11 months. We're going to give you a full 12 months for the price of 11. No coin this time. The coin... I'd love to give you a coin for signing up, but by the time I order it and by the time we mail it and everything else, too much effort. We'll work on another coin here in a bit, but maybe for the upcoming football season. 
So you'll get uh, a one-month discount, uh, 12 months for the price of 11. You'll pay all at once so your significant other can't go, why are we paying five bucks a month? And then on top of that, the big key for Red Circle is they allow for something called RSS delivery, RSS feed delivery of the podcast. And that includes for the subscribers that get Fridays as well. That can be sent via the RSS feed to whatever podcast platform or you know download app you like to use to compile all your other podcasts. So two big things people wanted, pay yearly and RSS feeds, bing, boom, and you'll get 12 months for the price of 11. But I know you're saying, I, I, how do I sign up for this? Not quite yet. Later this week, I think we'll have it dialed in, but just keep your eye out for that. All right, let me start with an email from one Jason. I'll leave his last name out of it. He just said, I'm so thankful, dot, dot, dot. I'm so thankful to be able to turn to you, Zabe, and your shows when I am feeling especially down. I'm someone who deals with severe anxiety and depression, and when I'm at my worst, I inevitably turn to you and your shows. Thank you for what you do. On a side note, I miss Solly. Oh, 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 I miss him too. I miss him beyond all words. There was a story, a tweet I saw about how I guess Joe Paterno's son had pulled out of their vintage booze locker some beer that they had saved from a championship or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'd tee this up for Solly, but he's not around. Coronavirus economic casualty. Anyway, I miss his impersonations. I miss him saying, you're the best, boss, in suck-up tone. The De Niro laugh the most in the background. The evil cackle. It would be nice to have him back on the show, but I fear that may not happen for a while, if ever. Everyone's in survival mode right now, and the economic effects are going to be felt for a long time. But here's to keeping you. here's to you for keeping your head above water, Jason. Thank you, Jason, for that. I myself have been anxious and depressed, and I have grappled with how much do I say I have to speak out on some of this utter insanity that I'm seeing left and right versus how much do I have to put on a happy face and be your apocaloptimist and say, ah, this is all going to, this will break at some point. Like any fever, this will break. We'll be back. Everyone just hang in there. I'd like to do that, but then I'm I'm torn between the two. But I think maybe today, maybe I've come to a breakthrough. And the breakthrough I've come to is this. You know what, NBA? You know what, baseball? You know what, NHL? Play, don't play. I don't give a fuck. You want to fold up your whole season? Go ahead. You want to let Dr. Fauci run your leagues? be your de facto commissioner, tell you when you can play, how you can play, where you can play, in front of whom you can play. Go ahead. Make him your commissioner. Let him, if you want, flush billions of dollars of value from your business. Go ahead. That's fine. I don't care. By the way, Fauci is not your friend. Fauci is not your friend, Leagues. Don't don't fall for this, oh, I'm a Nationals fan. I sure would love to see baseball this year. Maybe it's possible. We'll have to see. I don't know. The virus makes the timeline. And on and on and on. Fauci gives so many interviews. It's like, what? 
What is his role? Is he advising on the health side of it, or is he just there to give interviews? Either way. He said recently, last week, it's like, well, you know, some leagues might just have to not play. Wake up, NBA, NHL, MLB. Fauci is not your friend. But anyway, back to my point. If you're going to play, let us know. Otherwise, fuck off. I don't care. I used to care, but I've already priced in now the real possibility, and maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's less than that, I don't know, that there's no sports anymore in 2020. And therefore, I'm out of every job I got except this one. And this one's a nice side hustle, but it's not going to pay the bills. If the rapture comes, then take me away, because who gives a fuck? I will drive a range picker at some batting cage golf plex in West Texas like Roy McAvoy and Tin Cup, and I'll live an aesthetics life. I don't fucking care. I'm over it all. And you people in New York City getting arrested for not wearing a face mask? Ha <laughs> ha! You people in Chicago getting yelled at by your mayor who flaunted her own rules to go get a haircut? Ha! <laughs> Suckers. You people in California being shooed off the beaches by helicopter serves you right. You decided to live in those places to begin with. Not visit those places. Because you know what? I like visiting New York. At least I did like to visit New York City once upon a time. And I like visiting California. Live there in any of those places? The fuck you kidding me? Good luck. There's literally nothing I can do. So let it all burn. Let the real fun begin after that. And we'll go from there. I mean, Essentially, we're like Costanza. Now, we're going to go to the tip of Long Island to see some non-existent horses on this whole thing. Just to prove a point, or I don't know what the point of it is, but it's nuts. But guess what? We're going to see Prickly Pete and Snoopy, which don't exist. And eventually, I got to believe, we'll get to the tip of Long Island, and then, finally then, be like, yeah, there's no horses here. Oh, yeah, one more thing. (laughs) In New Jersey, again, if you live in New Jersey, you're fucking crazy to begin with. But you're getting what you deserve, good and hard. The the, uh, localities there launched drones and put it out on Twitter saying they're just doing it just to try to help keep an eye on possible crowd control in case there's not proper social distancing. And on their tweet, this is what they said. Regarding comments on drones, we are trying to save lives, not be big brother. Okay? If this plan to use drones saves one life, then it's worth it. (laughs) That loses you any argument all the time. If it saves just one life. All it's doing is spreading an automated notice about social distance. No recording or pictures are taken, just a tool of encouragement. A tool of encouragement. (laughs) You notice how they said no recording or pictures are taken? They tweeted a short video of the drone in the air over a crowd, (laughs) which would be called a recording. The drones they're using are the DJI, DJI Mavic Pro which is a Chinese-made drone, which I think they've either proven or they've suspected it of sending data, if not more than that, to servers in China. 
<laughs> oh my god. You got to laugh, right? You got to laugh otherwise you'd cry. Otherwise you'd put your fist through a wall. So, there we go. I'm going to roll with it. I know this Alex Smith has been able to roll with it in his life. If you missed the E60 on Friday about his recovery from a broken leg for the Washington Redskins on the very same date, November 18th, that Joe Theismann had his leg broken, talk about spooky right there. If you didn't see this piece, I urge you to see it, even though there are some gruesome, shocking images of his leg. It's one of the most incredible, inspiring, riveting, breathtaking features I've ever seen. I would argue it's one of the best things ESPN has ever done, and that includes the Jordan documentary. It was so good, and Stefania Bell deserves to win an award, get a raise, and or do more of these to see it. Because what Alex Smith came back from is simply unbelievable. Now, his leg is still fucked up. There's no question about it. It looks like the front of his leg where they had to take out all this muscle and all this stuff to get in control of the, of the infection. It looks like somebody just took a, a wad of dirty socks, put it in the front of his leg, put the skin over it and said, okay, we're good to go. I still think he has a bit of a toe drop in which he can't flex his toe up to run properly. And so when he talks about, ah, who knows, maybe I'll come back and play. I think it's just in part to keep him himself motivated, to keep, I don't want to say the marketing angle a lot. It, he's not about marketing. Alex Smith is just such an amazing dude. By the way, his wife is a, she's a wonderful woman, unbelievable woman, but she's also a fucking 12 on a scale of one to 10 looks wise. <laughs> like she's, she's a model basically should be a model. It's crazy, but Great woman, great wife, I'm sure a good mother, and was there every step of the way. Uh, the, the, the special is compelling. You got to see it. One other thing I realized is just how fucked Alex Smith has been every step of the way in his career. And yet he keeps a grateful attitude about it all. Namely, starting in San Francisco, he finally gets rolling with Jim Harbaugh's offense. And he's playing great, and then bam. Concussion. In comes Kaepernick. This is the froless Kaepernick without any tattoos. And Kaepernick starts lighting the league's hair on fire, and they go to the Super Bowl. And Alex Smith, after a couple weeks out with the uh, concussion, he's like, you know what? I I lost my job due to injury. You're not supposed to do that. Oh, well. And he has to watch the Super Bowl from the sidelines, and they lose in heartbreaking fashion. And the next thing you know, he's getting traded to Kansas City. And then he's in Kansas City, and he's doing really well for a couple years. And then Patrick Mahomes gets drafted. And then he gets traded to Washington. They're 6-3 and three out of the gate. Next thing you know, bam, leg snapped. The first surgery goes very well. They're like, everything's good. We put some plates in it. You feeling good? You should be out of here in two days. Two days, they said. And then here comes the flesh-eating bacteria. Fucked again. Alex Smith is a great, vivid lesson in perseverance. And you should watch this special. I wish they would offer a version of this documentary that has somehow either a warning, look away, uh, or black out or blur out the leg pictures. Because I want my daughter to watch it, but 
I don't want if I, I think she'll be pretty squeamish about the leg thing. She's not going to be a doctor, so <laughs> I would like her to see the bigger message and everything that goes into it, but without having to see the gruesome stuff. Maybe ESPN can work on that. Maybe I can just pause it right before it it comes and then say, okay, look away, and all right, we're back. We'll see. USA Women's Soccer loses big in court. Wow, this was a dagger. Basically, the judge said, so you guys have a union, right? And the women are like, yeah. And you guys collectively bargain your compensation package, right? Well, yeah, you see, but we've been winning it. And the judge just puts up a finger. This is all, I'm, you know, I'm making a metaphor here. And the judge is like, da, 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 da. why are you here? It is well known for anybody who at least has a decent understanding of the law and collective bargaining. And I learned this when all these other leagues went through these collective bargaining disputes. Courts are very loathe and judges are very loathe to overturn collectively bargained agreements. You know why? Because the judges understand. You start getting your fingers in there going, oh, no, no, we got to undo this. Then that fucks everyone else that ever collectively bargains on a, on a, on a contract. Like that's a foundational bedrock legal thing. Did we bargain in good faith? Yes, we did. Do you have an agreement? Yes, we do. Did you sign it? Yes, we did. All right, then. Get the fuck out of my courtroom. That's essentially what he said. It is a great day for the rule of law. It's a nightmare for the blue checkmark brigade and the social justice warriors who rode this horse. I mean, the usual suspects, and and they're not done yet. They're going to appeal. And yes, they did have a small victory on their hotel accommodations and their travel, and but those are small potatoes. The main thrust of it was the judge said, not only do you have a contract that you agreed to that you collectively bargained, but I looked at the numbers. You actually were paid more than the men in multiple different ways. So I don't. what am I doing here? But they'll appeal. I don't know if it has a chance to succeed or not. You never know. But it was a great day for justice. And you should say that even if you've got daughters like I do. And you should tell your daughters, no, this is a good thing, and here's why, sweetheart. Because someday you could be in court as a owner of your business, as a woman, and you could be in a legal dispute in which the law and the contracts and everything is on your side. You don't want the judge to go, oh, but I feel sorry for the other guy, so I'm going to rip this up. This is good. This is a wonderful thing. It will not be treated, though, as a wonderful thing by the usual suspects. All right, we're going to try it this way today with Charge. Call him first and then get him set up. Come on now, Charge. All right, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah. All right, sit tight. Here we go. It's coming up. Here we go. Uh, you were a little late on that. You were a little late on that, but it could be because of the lag between. It is. It is. Okay. 
It is. I'm nailing it. I'm nailing it. From what I hear, I'm nailing it on my end. You're nailing it on timing. You're not hitting the high notes like I can hit the high notes. No, I can't do that. My nuts have apparently been highly intact throughout my adult life. I can't hit that. Yeah. All right. Good to talk to Charge on a Sunday. You become quite the Monday morning favorite of the Zabecast listeners. I appreciate your time, Charge. And uh, you come today bearing a topic or a game or a theme, which tells me you are into this, my man. I love it when guys bring material to the show without me even asking. Yeah, well, and and you you know that's just one less segment for you to prep for, which is which is terrific, and it's a, it's kind of a win win. I had something interesting happen to me this week, and I was thinking about where I could tell this story, and this is, I think, the perfect place for a variety of reasons. In part because you are roughly my age, and you probably remember the match game game show from Gene, the 70s. the great Gene Rayburn, who was the dashing sort of mischievous alter ego of Richard Dawson, who was a little bit more reserved, but Gene Rayburn was the fucking man. He was great. And I think a little bit under, even though he was the host, you know, they really put those six celebrities in a position to be the stars of the show. But Rayburn p- brought it all together. He had the energy. He had the the wit. He uh, He was great. That's the song right there. So the match game works yes. like this. So unlike Hollywood Squares, which was nine stars of varying star power with the great Paul Lynn comedian in the middle as the center square, match That's game right. had six celebrities up there and they had a green triangle or a red circle. And then the contestants had to, well, I'm already forgetting how the game was played. Help I will, me well, let me tell you, let me tell you and the listeners. Uh, and it is uh, the host, Gene Rayburn, would read a question like this. Batman said to Robin, don't tell anyone I wear blank under my costume. Then the six celebrity panelists would write down their answers to fill in that blank. And then a contestant, there are two contestants who are dueling. The contestant will give an answer to try to match as many of those six celebrities as possible. That's the that was the core concept. And part of the the brilliance of it, Zabe, was that the game was simple and you could play it at home. You get to play. This is I'm going to do a little game, a little game show theory with you. Gameplay game show theory. You get to play exactly like the contestants when you're sitting at home. When you're answering lingerie, don't ever tell anyone I wear lingerie under my costume. Then you are playing just like the contestant. Most of the time with many game shows, you can never truly replicate what the contestant is doing. You have to play some other version of that. And if you look at the really successful game shows, Abe, you get to play along from home and play just like the contestants. Let's take Family Feud as an example. When Uncle Gus is answering on Family Feud, you're at home yelling your Family Feud and, answer. Right, and when Uncle Gus says trash cans, and the question is, what is something you normally keep your meat in? You scream <laughs> at him saying, trash can, what the fuck is wrong with you? Exactly. And the, you know what? And in the, in the, the, the match game works exactly the same same way. When somebody says 
don't ever tell anyone I wear trash cans under my costume. You're at home going, whoa, what? you moron. By the way, it, I got yeah. match game bloopers and funny moments. You want to hear a couple? Yes. Okay. Oh, I might have missed I might have missed this one. Here we go. We present Karen Lesko. Hi, Karen. Hi. You know John? Yes, we do. There's the two contestants. Nipples, uh, pretty nipples there. Ah, pretty nipples there. Okay, there's a blue one. Right there. Well, he's my real son, and he's married to his step sister now. Wow. I don't know. I'd... You Hold think on. about it. The police commissioner said, I think Batman and Robin are... Queer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what are the odds that I would give a Batman and Robin, and there's a Batman and Robin. That's uncanny. Wow. wow. Do you remember that That's one? That's really weird. No, I've Batman never heard that one Robin in my life. Are queer. Queer. <laughs> wow. Andy, you think about it. The police commissioner said, I think Batman and Robin are... Queer. Now that's when you cut. That is when Hold you on. cut to Charles Nelson Riley. You know, the moment I got my Robin outfit, a rumor like that would start. <laughs> ah, and that's, by the way, yes. Richard Dawson. So he was yeah. on the panel in addition to right. being a guy that went on. Okay, let's get back yeah, to your he, point. All right. Go yes, ahead. and he went. Out, and obviously, Dawson. We'll talk more about him in a second because I'm going to drag this out because we're in the we're in the sports abyss right now. So, uh, Family Feud is great. Jeopardy let you play along. You play around Jeopardy. It's been successful and on the air for 50 years. Price is right, been on for 50 years. Um, you know, this is from a gameplay standpoint. It works brilliantly. Now, a little bit of quick history. Gene Rayburn, who you correctly identified as being brilliant, he was the original Ed McMahon sitting next to Steve Allen on The Tonight Show Hey-o. back when it started. Yes, which I had I had no idea about. Now, Match Game actually got off to a rocky start. It was originally on CBS. And this is 1962. So this we remember the 70s version. There was a version in 62, and the questions were really bad. They were questions like, name a part of an elephant. And then you were trying to, like, guess how many people would say trunk, right? Yeah. And that the show ends up getting canceled in 19, a year later. It's canceled in 1963, and they've got six weeks of episodes left to shoot, and it's already been canceled. So the producers decide to make the questions funny and sexualized. No and way. What happens, and what happens in those last six weeks? The ratings spike. The show gets renewed, and it ends up running all the way to the point. Now it's been running on and off. It's even running now. Alec Baldwin is the current host. This thing's been running forever under this format, and so they saved it from they saved it from being canceled. Now the version that we care about, though, is the 1970s, from when right. you and I were kids and can, Match Game. Can I interject a possible yes, clip please. here? You talk yes. about sexualized in this Match Game bloopers and funny moments. Cut 16 says, Betty, show us your G-string, referring to one Betty White. Yes. So this is what we're talking about. Would you like to see Betty? I sure would. Okay. <laughs> you show him yours if he shows you his. <laughs> 
<laughs> Again, Richard Dawson stealing the show. Yes. And hips. And then Richard Dawson like pulls her in for a big hug and his head is right in her tits. By the way, a younger, a, a younger Betty White, not oh, yeah. shabby. No, and at that point she's probably in her forties, right? Oh yeah. And you know, and but she she was still she was still held together very well there. Now, for her in particular, and that, let's let's go to the celebrities. I mean, the whole interplay of the celebrities. It was really half the fun of the game. I mean, the gameplay itself was great, as we already talked about, but it was the celebrities playing off each other with the, the obvious chemistry that they had was really important. And you got to see these familiar celebrities when they're off script. They're not doing, you know, right. I'm not playing a role. You could see who they really are. And there was a lot of appeal to that. Now, you mentioned Richard Dawson. There were t- There were two other regulars with Richard. Richard was always... Richard was always uh, the bottom middle person in slot number five of the six spots. The upper left slot number one was always a male, and that would be a rotating guy. It might be Nipsey Russell or Orson Bean, or it might be uh, Kirk, uh, uh, not Kirk, Captain Kirk, uh, uh, Shatner, William Shatner. Oh, okay. Then next to him was Brett Summers, though a female. It is male, female, male, female, male, female for the six of them. Brett Summers was always there. And then there was Charles Nelson Riley next to Brett Summers. And then if we go down to the bottom level, the the bottom left corner was always the Ditsy Blonde. Or almost always. It was always a right. woman. And usually Ditsy Blonde, then Richard Dawson, and then that last spot was usually a reoccurring guest of which Betty White was on many, many, many times. Now, Dawson was the problem. He's so good, he unbalances the entire game single-handedly. He's f- smart, he's funny, Quick. and despite being British, he understands American culture, so he gets all these he gets all the nomenclature and all the references. Now Every they had the way the format of the game worked. You had this head-to-head matchup, and then the winner would get to play Supermatch. When you go to Supermatch, <laughs> Super you get you pick one celebrity to do your Supermatch with, and only one. Everybody picked Dawson. Always, they all because they always. wanted to say something funny. Well, because he was right, they had five thousand dollars on the line, and he would nail it. He would give the best answer. He was so good, and that's how they broke it. And then later, they decided because the other contestants, this starts rubbing the other contestants really wrong, right? Can, I, all these can I jump in yes. for a second here and ask Please you, do. what brought this on? Are you just a game? Are you just a game show aficionado? Are you a match game fanatic? Did you see a documentary on this? Did you read a book? Were you deep diving on old match games on YouTube this weekend? No, I just randomly decided. Um, that I enjoyed match game as a kid growing up and it was on game show network, right? Ah. So game show network is still showing them. So I just decided to randomly hit the record button on the direct TV, but, uh, uh, remote and then start and it binging. Just started, it. It just, I just, and then at night, how many, and I how many in did you binge? It. Now I only did this a week ago, so I've seen like five episodes. So That's far. it. Okay. Yes. By and the way, game, I, by the way, yes. game show network channel two thirty three. On the eleven of us that still have Direct TV, <laughs> TV. That's yes. right. We're and the we're, last. Of, to, we're calling. So we were the Dirty Dozen that still paid Direct TV for satellite service. We're now down to eleven. Okay, continue. That's right. 
So now, you and Roxy uh, went and started binging in bed, which is sexy as hell. <laughs> God, binging binging uh, Game Show Network and binging the match game in bed. That's right. It, you'd think we'd have better things to do. Now, back to Dawson for just a second. We find out later he was very, very unhappy. Now, he was very good at the game, and he was funny, but he was, was also he biting. depressed, like he, many uh, comedians and or celebrities are? He did not like Family Feud in particular because he got his own game show. Uh, I'm sorry. He didn't like Match Game because he got his own game show, Family Feud. And Family Feud was where he really wanted to be. He thought he was so much better than anybody else on that show, including Gene Rayburn, that he should be the star of the show beyond what he already was. Was, Match he, game. was he double dipping as host of Family Feud while still appearing on Match Game? He did for three years before he finally ah. just said, I'm I'm out. And he was a jackass, and the other contestants ended up hating him. Well, he was – look, he was great at Family Feud, but you could argue he was better at Match Game. I think he was. I think he was. But you know what happened? Here's the funny thing. Match Game is the number one daytime TV show. Match Game is for three straight years. He goes over to Family Feud – Family Feud becomes the number one daytime show, and and it's just people followed him. They loved they loved Dawson. Yeah, and last, you know what? Last, I yeah. wonder if a guy like him, and he was in Hogan's Heroes, right? Yes, he was. Yes, uh, he was. I don't know what other movies that he did, but he's most well known for Family Feud. I wonder how serious actors feel about essentially making all their money and being known for something that is trivial by comparison, not serious. Like, does that bother them is what I wonder. I think there are some who definitely do. I think there's an ego play here for sure. 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 Yeah. Last, last thing on the celebrities, and then we'll, we'll get to the real story. The whole point of all of this. Oh, this is just a prelude. By the way, let's leave a few minutes because we got Trubisky news. And Andy oh. Dalton news, football-wise, and then we got to hit murder hornets before we're out. Sad Trombonski. <laughs> um, so Charles Nelson Riley, upper right-hand corner, is where he always sat, right next to Brett Summers. He is very good at the game. He drives Brett Summers crazy, and they go back and forth, and they snipe at each other all the time. But the most important thing is Charles Nelson Riley has to be one of the first, if not the first, openly gay men on TV. And it's always swishy gay. Swishy gay. Yes. Ascot wearing gay. Yes. I Proud think gay. I, Out yes. gay. Yes. And if, by the way, if Fred Minnick listens to this, you know, we're totally cool with your ascot. <laughs> I think... I think it's you know it's always unspoken, right? But there would be, but it's joked about in roundabout ways all the time, frequently about him and being gay. And he's it's at the time, yeah, it was it was really really different. And I think he was one of those people that made it okay to be on TV. Now the point of the story. So Roxy and I are laying in bed and we're watching Match Game and. Uh, it's, by the way, Match Game 77, if you particularly care. In And in comes two new contestants. Uh, the defending champion and new guy wearing a laser suit and a handlebar mustache. And his name is Rich Orloff. And he says he's in L.A. because he wants to be a comedian. 
And as we watch, it's obvious he's trying to use match game. His appearance on match game is sort of like a comedian tryout, right? He's got some bits that he's working in and he's, he's just a little bit sharper and a little bit wittier than the other contestants. Save. So he cry, he's cracking some jokes and stuff, and he ends up getting knocked out. Uh, he ends up winning one. He ends up winning one game, and then he gets knocked out uh, in the next game on some bad luck. And I turn to my my wife Roxy and I say, you know, if that happened forty years ago, let we let's go back and get his name again. So we we back up and we get his name, Rich Orloff. And his entire life has now transpired. His entire like meaningful adult life has transpired. He might even be dead. Let's find out what the real story of Rich Orloff is. <laughs> Random contestant on Match Game 77, right? So never... sure enough, Rich Orloff Wikipedia, and boom, I bet they had a page. There's a page. Of course. He, I've never Googled a game show contestant before. He's the first one. He ends up with a significant body of work. He ended up writing for Three's Company. He ended up writing for Flow, if you remember Flow. But his major achievement, he was a very successful playwright in New York with 60 plays, mostly comedies. Wow. He won the Rich Orloff won the 2002 Pickering Award for playwriting achievement. The, the Pickering? 1990, he's, he's a Pickering, Pickering man? Oh, my God. He's a Pickering God. man. He's a Pickering man. The Kaufman and Hart Prize for New American Comedy, the Playwrights First Award, the Theater Conspiracy New Play Contest, the Larry Kors Playwriting Prize, and the Abel's Foundation Playwriting Award. He had a whole career. Some rando that I decided to Google on Match Game That's ended up fun. having ended up having this great career. So there you go. So the there point you go. The, of the story. That's good. The I think the most famous blooper from any game show of that vintage is this one from the newlywed game. Here we go. Girls, tell oh, me yeah. where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally, girls, have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? Make whoopee. Um. <laughs> In the <laughs> No, no, no. No, no. It's no, it's not what I'm talking about is the weirdest location, the weirdest place. Location. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Give me an answer, please. Here's his answer. Was, uh, in the car. In the car. So, yeah, in the butt, Bob. Now, it says newlywed game urban legend, but she clearly said ass. No, 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 no. She said it. He is. Uh, why, the, does it say urban, why does it say urban legend then? Well, here's why. The, give me the host's name again. I've forgotten his name of the uh, Newlywood Show. Bob, uh, uh, Bob, Bob Eubanks. Bob, Bob Eubanks. Eubanks, yes. So Bob Eubanks, the reason it was legend is Bob Eubanks for years said, no, that's not what she said. Because they you know, they beeped it out so nobody knew for sure. And he he said for years and years and years, he said no, in part because he was trying to save her the embarrassment. But later, 20 years later, he confessed. And he, he has since done so many times and said, yes, that is what she, in fact, said. But she didn't so, say but. She said ass. I think that's true. Which is an interesting little twist on that. Okay. Let's talk Mitch Trubisky, or as you like to call him, sad Trombonsky. The, the Chicago Bears decide not to pick up his fifth-year option, which is surely – being marked for death as a quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, every team ideally wants to have that quarterback under contract. 
in part for the fifth year deal, right? The fifth year contract, the fifth year is such a good deal. It means you've got your guy and you're paying him less than you would have to pay if he's good to be on the open market. Is His there, deal would have paid him yeah. $24 million, which was, was never going to happen. Is there a quarterback that you can think of that had his fifth year declined and then they put more money into him, the team that drafted him? Because I know the two most recent ones, Jameis and Mariota, Neither got no. their options picked up, and they were gone. Actually, or wait a minute, did they both have? No, they did. They both had their options picked up, but now they're gone. Right now they're gone. It's right. pretty right. rare to not have your option picked up as a quarterback. Well, it's it's certainly rare to not to get it picked up and then go on to like stay with the team. I mean, at that point, you're just a dead man walking. I right. imagine there are guys that haven't had the fifth year picked up left the team, went and did something somewhere else and was okay, good enough to get another contract, but usually it means it's over. Some team, you know, you're a first-rounder. Some team gave you every every chance to win the job and prove what you can do. And if you get into year five and you're and the team still doesn't believe in you, it's it's pretty much over. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton, by the way, the Bears have said, oh, no, we, we still like Mitch, but we're going to have to see about this year. I'm not sure I believe it. And that was one of the most costly scooch-ups of one spot. Not just the cost to scooch up one spot to take him, but to pass oh. on Patrick Mahomes and oh. Deshaun Watson in the same draft. Wow. So Haunting. Is Ryan, Haunting. Is Ryan Pace the guy that did that? Is he still the GM in Chicago? He is still the GM there. Yes. What? Yep. What does it take to get fired from one of these jobs? Seriously. No kidding. I mean, you know, you would think this would be bad enough, right? But when you look at the at the rest of the roster and the, look at the and the off season moves by the Bears this year, crazy. Do you know what? Get this, Zabe. They have ten tight ends on roster. <laughs> the Bears ten. do ten. ten. Yes, they signed and. <laughs> They signed Jimmy Graham, who's been bad ever since leaving New Orleans seven years ago, whatever, right, right. to a two-year $16 million deal. And then they put their very first pick of the draft. And remember, they have so few draft picks because they traded them away for Khalil Mack, and then they traded more draft picks away, well, a pick, to go get Nick Foles. And what do they do? They go turn around and they take their 10th tight end in the draft. It's a, you can't make it up. It's unbelievable. Ugh. Well, we'll see what happens, but it looks like old Mitchell Trubisky is marked for death in Chicago. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton gets released by the Bengals. No shock there. Like Everyone's thinking, they're going to trade Andy Dalton. It's like, no, they're not, because everyone knows they can't hold him. Correct. So Correct. they eventually give up the ghost, they cut him, and the Cowboys have signed him. Many thought he was definitely going to New England, which could mean the full tank is on for uh, Trevor Lawrence with uh, you know uh, Belichick and company. I'm, I have a hard time uh, believing he would tank for you know a year, but who knows? Well, and- okay, st- wait, wait, stop right there because I have suggested that to the ridicule of many. I know they, uh, people think people think that Bill Belichick is this wizard who can't possibly lose games and would never under any circumstances try to do like what the Colts did when they transitioned from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. You know, they, everybody just assumes that Belichick's going to go find his way to 10, 12 wins, no matter who's around him. No, 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 no. I, I think Belichick's playing long game here. Yeah. And he is playing. He's playing. Is he going to try to lose on Sunday? No, he won't try to lose on Sunday. 
but the general manager is trying to set that team up to draft a better quarterback yeah. next season. And then, uh, so Dalton signs with the Cowboys, one year, seven mil, which is fair. That's in line with the deal that Mariota got to back up Carr in Las Vegas. And, and, and it makes sense, but a lot of people are sort of triggered that Dalton got paid before Dak got paid. Is that, in your mind, a faux pas by Jera? Well, no. I mean, you know, one guy got one guy got signed as a backup, and and, and I don't think I don't think Andy Dalton is threatening Dak in any way, right? This isn't nobody's playing hardball with Dak on this, but it does. It certainly gives the team a better option if things go really sideways with Dak, which I don't think they will. Nobody thinks it will yet. But imagine if Dak, like, it's just decides to hold out or something. You'd have, you know, now you can play competent football. I think it's an awesome signing, and good for him. I'm happy for Dalton. He gets out of a bad spot. He goes to an organization that has had an awesome offseason, and good for him. I Maybe bo- this is the beginning. This is, by the way, I, I think before the signing, I was saying some team's going to be very smart and go get Andy Dalton on a cheap deal, and you quarterbacks get hurt all the time. Yeah. You might be delighted you have him. I think they will be. I believe Florio, in his vivid imagination, said, well, could the Cowboys now rescind the franchise tag on Dak, knowing that there's no money out there to go sign him to a deal? Right. And right. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I guess in theory, but that's not nah. fucking happening. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not happening. I mean, if you do that, it's scorched earth, right? Well, then, then scorched you would, earth. he would find a team that wants him, And then he would sign a deal that basically makes up for whatever this year coming is and takes mm-hmm. care of him in the summer. Like it, it would be very counterproductive to do that. Like, yay, we'll let that go. Cause we got Andy Dalton for one year at seven. What do we do now? Exactly. What are we doing here? We playing football. Yeah. What's going on? All right. Last ad here. Murder Hornet. How many fantasy teams will you see with the nickname murder <laughs> Hornets? I mean, seriously, people are talking about this. Like, oh, that's such a great uh, fantasy name. Uh, apparently, a a breed of Chinese hornets or Asian hornets with huge mandibles. Are, they are huge, by the way. Are, huge. That apparently the meat eating hornet, oh, which has been known to kill up to fifty people a year in Japan has surfaced recently for the first time in the United States in Washington State. Oh, my God. 2020, you're drunk. Go to bed. <laughs> We've got, It's come to this. Why, why do these things always come from Asia? Why does everything bad come from Asia? Yeah, fireworks come from Asia. Sony televisions yeah. come from Asia. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that no good things come from there, but, man, the bad things... It always seems to start in Asia. Eating too many bats, I think, Sabe. There's a YouTube video of a guy that willingly got bit by a so-called murder hornet. Oh, it's got to be Done, awful. Does not look present, pleasant, that's for sure. No, oh, they're they're very intimidating looking. I would, uh, I think if that thing actually bit me, I would cry like a baby. <laughs> yes, I would. I mean, Mommy! Mommy! I got a bee sting! I charge. Yeah, they great. don't sting. By the way, they don't sting. They, they bite. bite. Yeah, because they, they bite because they want to eat your meat. Yeah, they're meat eaters. <laughs> they're meat eaters. God, God, God. All right, thank you, Charge. Good to talk to you. Great run You're today the on the match game. I love it. I'm going to go binge watch some myself. It's. I'm telling you, it really is fun. It's. A, it is a good watch. Match game seventy, whatever. All right, Hoser. Stay cool. See you next week. Bye bye.
I'm a band. Oh, how can you fucking love that guy, Charge? Isn't he great? Man, he is super into the match game. Take off. Let me end on a couple things here, real quick. Guess who's not dead? That's right. Kim Jong-un, who was seen at a ribbon-cutting ceremony looking like no words for the wear. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, my God. He's alive, JR. You're damn right it is. <laughs> In fact, the video of him walking, it looks like he's walking like Vince McMahon with his arms kind of jangling. He's got his legs a little bit bowed out. It's somebody. If somebody has already put that video together of of Vince McMahon walking out on top of Kim Jong Un, please send it my way. If not, I guess I'm going to have to make it. Somebody had to have made that comparison. Somebody has to have a side to side. I swear to God, it looks that way. But yeah, he's al- he's alive. And I said on Saturday as I went to see my brother Flim and give him a bottle of whiskey for my for his uh, 54th birthday and we were having pleasant manversation me him and John and uh, his boy Joel we're talking guns drugs my brother by the way is a food and drug lawyer and his friend John is also a uh, food and drug patent guy so trust me we were talking about all this coronavirus stuff with the drugs and vaccines but we were we were talking about you know Kim Jong-un. And I said, you know what? I'm kind of glad he's alive. They're like, why? And I said, because he's the asshole we know. I'd rather have the asshole we know than a wild card. Is that wrong of me? Am I taking the wrong geopolitical view on this? Also, there was this over the weekend. I didn't go down to see it. I said I would. And of course, I was too lazy. But still, I got the great videos all over the place. Yeah. Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels flying over to honor our healthcare workers, D.C. Uh, did a big couple loop-de-loops, a lot of good porn, a lot of good videos of this. Um, I love it. I'm just such a plain nerd. It's so awesome. I would have liked to have seen it in person, but it was going to be a 45-minute drive and then wait around, and I had to mow the lawn on Saturday, so there you go. Mask requirements. Question. If they require that you wear a mask, do they have to then... Is there any kind of type requirement? If you wore a Gump Worsley goalie mask, could you say, well, I'm wearing a mask? There was a woman that was filmed at some store wearing a mask, but she had cut a hole right where her cake hole was, you know, her cigarette hole, right where her breathing hole was, you know, her lips, little hole right in the mask. And they're like, what? Why'd you cut that in your mask? She's like, it's easier to breathe this way. <laughs> I guess you could get kicked out of a store if you've got a mask that they deem not sufficient enough. I know this will be back to normal when they return to banning masks in public because they don't want people robbing banks. Then we'll know we're really back. That'll be it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Charge for coming on in. Have yourself a great Monday as we are in the month of May. And remember, a big announcement on how to switch over to that yearly in just a few days here. Let's get it settled in, and then we'll tell you how to do it. And I appreciate everybody who does currently subscribe. If you don't want to change, you don't have to do a thing. 
You don't have to do a thing. I'm just saying for those who want to, you will then have that option. Rate and review. Tickle the algorithm. Tell a friend who likes podcasts. And have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow.